Hi, and welcome to the View from the Mount podcast. This is episode eight. And today we're really excited, a little bit different flair to what we've been doing. Uh, as always, uh, I'm Jason, joined by Matt. But today we have a special guest. Uh, at Lake Mount, we have been blessed to have our revival this fall. And our guest speaker is Jim Book, who comes to us by way of Kissimmee, Florida. Uh, and today we're going to talk about uh, some issues surrounding the election. So, uh, Matt, uh, I think it's interesting, you know, people say there's a couple things you don't talk about. You don't talk about politics or religion. Yeah. We're blowing that out the water. We are. And that's really all anybody wants to talk about anyway. <laughs> I mean, they do. Everybody's stifled. But we want to talk about this stuff. And it's kind of hard. We don't always want to talk about it from the pulpit, but it does need to be discussed in the church. I mean, don't you think so? Well, I, I think Christians pay taxes. Christians, mm-hmm. we're told to pray for the kings and receive for those who are in charge. And I think it is a mistake not to. Um, we're advertising a huge prayer service at our church uh, this Sunday night and Monday night of the election. And we're going to list the things to which we're encouraging people to pray for. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the worst thing the church could do is bury their head in the sand and pretend that issues that are facing the nation do, will not directly affect believers as well. Yep. So, so this election's amped up, uh, to say the least. Uh, doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of middle ground. And, and, and we kind of want to tackle this from a Christian point of view. So there's lots of issues. You know, you could spend time talking about issues we all have opinions about, immigration and politics, and we might have basis for opinion. But from the church's standpoint, from a Christian standpoint, what's at stake, Jim, this election? That is probably the key question that believers need to think through. I, I did a, a Facebook Live last week at our church sent out in regards to uh, voting with your values. And I know that terminology gets used a lot, but the reality is Christians have a worldview. Uh, and our worldview is something that we don't compartmentalize on Sunday morning, but we really take everywhere. So we encourage our people. I know you guys do here at Lake Mount, because I've been here at your revival for three nights. You guys are very plugged in to taking your faith everywhere. So we tell our kids, don't leave Jesus at the doorstep, take him to your church, take him to your soccer game, take him to your work, take him to the voting booth, take him to the voting booth. So what's at stake? A couple of things. First of all, um, I think that religious freedom is probably more under attack now than ever before. When I say religious freedom, it's the ability for the church, parachurch organizations, missions, Christian colleges, universities, to continue to run their schools, run their churches, run their parachurch organizations as they see fit and not controlled by government edicts. There is a move by the left to infiltrate churches and to force churches and parachurch organizations, universities and schools in regards to hiring. Uh, Sexual expressivism is rampant now, and if churches are not careful, this election could determine whether or not they have the right to hire who they feel uh, uh, most aligns with their biblical values. Now, let me say this. We live in a nation where you're pretty much free to express yourself however you want, sexually, uh, philosophically, and, and the Constitution gives people that right. But it also affords churches the right to conduct themselves based on their biblical worldview. And if that's under attack, man, I want to make sure I vote for candidates who may not agree with my biblical worldview, but will protect it, period. Yeah, so we do see this. You mentioned like the sexual expressivism and and how we see that, whether it's um, maybe come in into place in the church with a, a bathroom. 
Exactly. Or or with school sports and and, and things like that. Well, you know, Jason, in that uh, women's sports will no longer exist if the yeah. Equality Act passes, period. Right. I've got a, a junior, and, and, and she attends a Christian school in the Kissimmee area. She plays uh, on the girls' volleyball team. If the Equality Act passes, and people can argue this all day long, I'm just trying to tell you ahead of time, um, the Equality Act simply says there is no gender anymore. People can make that up as they go along. Mm-hmm. So uh, girls' sports will be severely hampered. And, and by the way, age discrimination uh, you know, if a 50-year-old man wants to run in a 10-year-old girl's marathon, uh, he can. And you might think that's ludicrous. And I know our critics will say, that's a stretch, Jim. It's not. It's not. Now, I've got documentation to prove. The Gender Equality Act will will basically skew the lines. We out. see this in, in Virginia, California. I mean, this isn't really, like a, a conspiracy theory alarmist stuff anymore. It's not. It's real. And, and if people want to pretend it's not, they can. Uh, but the Titanic's heading for the iceberg, folks, and the iceberg is moving, but the ship still can. So we just challenged our people. Look, uh, religious freedom is under attack. If you want to preserve religious freedom, then you need to think clearly as to which candidate is most likely to do that. Now, Jason, Matthew, you know, we, we've, we've always been on the front lines of the pro-life movement because we haven't had a choice. Right. The Bible speaks to the sanctity of life, the importance <laughs> of life, but I think it's bigger than the life of the unborn. Now it's going to redefine the value and importance of senior adults or the infirm. I mean, if you can put a price tag on a baby's life, you can put a price tag on senior adults. And that is one reason why some of the governors in Democratic-controlled states have been under fire through this COVID virus, because they have basically taken senior adult living places and, 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 and disregarded them in regards to safety zones. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. The same governor in New York that had basically put senior adults at risk during the COVID virus is the same governor that I think permits abortions even after birth now. Yes. I mean, up to like the minute of child. So, so the value of life is is something that the Christian has to consider when they vote. I don't think we've been given permission not to. So there's follow through with this. You know, whether it be uh, we might we might have resigned to some of this other stuff, and we've heard about abortion all our lives right. uh, as being an issue, and we've talked about voting our values and issues. Some of this other stuff's new, um, and, but there's a further down the road result for the church, meaning real real persecution, yeah. tax exempt status. What a great way for the government to punish churches who don't align themselves with their narrative is to start removing tax exemption. Uh, can you imagine, Jason? And if for people who've never been on Lake Mount's property. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to pay your property tax. Um, our church is right on the, on, in downtown Kissimmee. I can't imagine the property. They will, they will, they will. I don't believe the left will take preachers out of the pulpit. What they will do is they will threaten to remove tax exemption, uh, or property taxes will be placed on churches, and and you simply can't survive. Well, I don't, I don't know that the government wants to get rid of the church. I think they see the value in a church. They just want a church that backs their party line. That, that teaches the values the that they want. Exactly. Right. Correct. A state church. Because it's too it's too good an avenue to control people through to want to abolish it altogether. But they do want to control the, the narrative that we're pushing. So, so these things that we've said are at stake. A couple things is there's really no debate that those are issues the left are pushing. That, that's something a fair-minded person yeah, can argue. Even the liberals w- w- would have a hard time arguing what I've just said. They'll, they'll place. Uh, that they've, they've already made it clear, uh, sexual orientation they want to place under a civil right. Mm-hmm. 
And if, if that's true, then now sexual orientation or whatever orientation, uh, and it's not just uh, the, the LGBT present day agenda, it could be uh, any form of sexuality that might seem repulsive to people today will be fully accepted and protected under civil rights. And so the church now, their message has been neutralized. Their ability to express their biblical worldview now has been completely neutralized. And, and now and now real that's what real persecution is going to look like. And, and so the church just needs to be aware that this election has something to say about the future of religious freedom. That's, that's basically what I'm trying to say. Religious freedom is under attack and will be severely scrutinized. Elections have consequences. Absolutely. And you know, too, Chase, let's talk about socialism. I mean, it's clear that there's a socialist agenda in the left. If that's true, have you ever known where the church has been encouraged in a socialist environment? Some people say, well, the church is moving in China. It's underground. So I ask my people, is that, is that how you want to worship? You want to worship underground when you're used to worshiping in, in, in freedom and in openness? I I'm not sure I want, I don't want to worship that way. I mean, one day it might happen, but I enjoy having a Christian school. I enjoy having a church that I can freely meet. I enjoy being able to preach the gospel and I'll be protected. And Jefferson tried his best to articulate that in the Constitution, the separation of church and state, although that phraseology is not in it. His intent was to protect the church from the state. And that's what we're facing now. The church is going to be under attack, already is. In California, small groups can't even meet in homes. Um, now, that's verified by Matt Staver and, and, the, and the Liberty Council. Small group Bible studies are not permitted in the state of California. That is an attack on religious freedom yeah. Yeah. by a governor who has no appreciation for religious freedom. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and the scary thing is this is here. Yeah. It's probably going to be more relevant. No matter what happens, I think, in this election, the intolerance of Christ, traditional Christianity is increasing. And, and the, it's funny, not in a, in a ha-ha way, but the folks that preach tolerance and diversity the most are practicing it the least. The two new tolerance movement simply says, you now have to tolerate my lifestyle or belief system. Yeah. Now you have to affirm it. And if you don't agree with it, I'm going to demonize you. Right, don't use my pronouns. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Now, let me ask you, uh, the Supreme Court member that was just nominated in the Senate yesterday, thankfully, and is now going to serve on the judiciary branch of our government, thankfully. The biggest attack she received was not on her credentials, not on her interpretation of constitutional law. The liberals were concerned that she was not going to be an activist for them, and that concerns them deeply. But the attacks that the left made against her primarily revolved around her religious yeah. background. So don't tell as me... A threat, that, as a threat to their course. ideology. So yeah. the left's screaming tolerance, screaming diversity, and by the way, 25 years ago, they hated censorship. But now they're the ones who speak of and embrace censorship like no other group. Of you know, the funny the funny thing is you have this woman justice who the feminist movement yeah. is a part of the radical left. They, they can't even take that as a victory for women's rights. Sworn in by an African-American yeah. justice. Right. And, and they couldn't even take that and say, you know what? We ideologically differ, but this is. This is a great moment in history. Yeah. The left is about as inconsistent as any group of people I have ever, ever followed. Uh, the Me Too movement. You would think the Me Too movement would hold up Vice President Pence as the example of how men should treat women. I mean, he went out on record and says, look, I just, if I'm meeting with other women, I have my wife with me. And yet the Me Too movement demonized him. And yet if there's any man who has respected women and respects uh, his marriage, and, and it's, it's him. And yet, 
Now, that's not a way to mock and ridicule. Absolutely. Again, inconsistency is what they're best known. And, and, and so it, I, I think the point maybe where, where you've driven with some great examples is if you're a Christian and, and these things concern you, and they ought to, yeah. then there's implications in your vote. Thank you. Period. Yeah. Is. Your vote does count. And I challenge our people, it's not just enough to vote. Because for years, you know, we used to stand in the pulpit and go, hey, practice your, your right to, as a citizen vote. And we sat down and we thought as preachers we did our civic duty and our spiritual duty. It's more than just voting. It's voting with your values and not apologizing for that and letting people know, look, there are distinctive differences. Now, let me let me say this. I'm careful that I, I, I spend less time promoting a party as much as I do principles. Uh, I, I am big on on the issues of principles because principles will outlive parties. Right. A character outlives candidates. So vote the person who will best embody the principles of freedom of religion, the exercise thereof, the sanctity of life, who will continue to practice and promote a lifestyle that inspires people to work hard, to take and keep more of their money that they work for, and to invest in their families. Those are the those are the principles that I believe preach really well. Yeah. And so, yeah, okay, I, I I will not endorse a candidate, but I will endorse concepts because concepts and principles outlive parties and well, we'll we'll talk about this in a minute. But the lines have been clearly drawn. Very much. They're not ambiguous as they used to be. Oh, not nearly. And so not nearly. you mentioned socialism, and Matt kind of direct you to this, and and Jim love to chime in. It seems like it's become trendy for the church to have this love affair, segments of the church, with socialism. Yeah. I, I, I say the church loosely, but, yeah. but, I, but I've heard prominent preachers that have come out and kind of interested, curious about socialism. Yeah. Well, they try to equate it with that sort of first century charitable giving of the church, and they, they say that those two are the same. They're not the same at all. These social programs are not what the church was doing in the first century. Yeah, we... The the example of when Israel wanted a king, yeah, and and Samuel kind of gives this list of here's what's going to happen. Yeah. You can have it, but here's what's going to happen. And among those things was basically a socialist agenda. He said all the things that you have are going to be taken from you and given to somebody else, yeah. and and, and it, it's not a good life. It's not a better way, and so that's where we are. How about how about, how about this? When uh, Seth Solomon died, and with, okay, Rehoboam was the son. I always get Rehoboam and Jeroboam mixed up, but Rehoboam I think was his son. And he said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna overregulate the people." Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, we have a candidate running for president that has run on a record of deregulation because overregulating people tends to take creativity and money out of their pocket and creativity out of their agenda. And his compadres begged him, "Your dad was was regulatory enough. Do not overregulate. Do not overtax the people." And he he didn't listen to the advice. Did and it was basically a civil war. And from this came two two kingdoms: the northern and southern kingdom. Over-regulatory kings, presidents, prime ministers do not bode well for, for a solid, sound economy. History will bear that out. Okay? So when I vote, I, mean, I, I can point to illustrations in the Bible. It's not a command, thou shalt not over-regulate your people. But when I see illustrations like you just mentioned, Jason and Matt, in the New Testament, of when government becomes oppressive, people tend to perish, not prosper. I'm going to vote for a yeah. candidate that is going to deregulate and permit me and my family to be creative, to 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 go out and 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 earn the money and keep more of it and not be taxed to death. 
by the way, Acts 4, if you'll notice, they willingly laid their money at the apostles' feet. The apostles did not take it from them. That is a key difference between capitalism and socialism. I think it's interesting. You know, you live in, in Florida, yes. high uh, Hispanic population, yes. Cuban population. The Cubans and the Venezuelans yes. understand what's at stake. Boy, do they. They've lived it. You know, they've experienced it, and they want nothing to do with it. What's weird is you see people here propping these countries up as like these wonderful examples. They don't even understand what socialism has done. I, I, heard a guy, I heard a guy say the other day, oh, Che Guevara's a, a wonderful humanitarian. He was just trying to help people. He's largely misunderstood. He was a butcher. He was a butcher. Correct. Exactly right. Well, so, and, and socialist candidates appointed to Denmark and, and their socialized medicine. Um, Denmark, Prime uh, Minister, has begged. Um, Bernie Sanders not to make the comparison yeah. of his program and Denmark because he said, you know, in fact, they just privatized their airport. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the point is, that, you know, some of our more left-leaning politicians have used Scandinavian nations yeah. as the as the example, and they they've actually asked him, our agenda, your agenda is not even right. close. And they're sort of propped up by some pretty large oil deposits, right, yes. and stuff like that. There's some other factors yeah. there in I, their success. A little, a little shift of gears. So we. We're in unison about what we want, what we think. That's undergirded by our our uh, biblical values and our, 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 and our concern for yeah. the, the the church yes. in America. Yes. But let's say on election day or three months later, the opposite happens that we want. Say there's a liberal party that gets elected, Senate's taken over by the liberals. From a ch- the church's standpoint, how do we respond? I think we we get up in the morning. And we recognize that we do are a part of a kingdom that's not of this world. Um, when when Daniel foretold the vision, Nebuchadnezzar had that giant statue of the gold head, which represented Babylon, you know, the silver, which represented Persia and, the, and Greece and then Rome, and then this rock uncut by human hands demolished it all. We, we just have to remind ourselves and our and our congregants and our and our disciples uh, that we serve a God that's bigger than than any any. Prime Minister, any President, yeah. any King, and that truth triumphs. It does, and it maybe, maybe we as a church, as a body across the world, become more vigilant. And uh, and so uh, the good news is, uh, our kingdom is not this world. We still serve a God that's in charge, and the church can still prosper and flourish even under duress, political duress. So uh, I'll, I'll be disappointed because I again, all those things we just mentioned that I want to see embraced and grow could be jeopardized, but I still know that there's still great victories for the church. Absolutely. Still, disciples to be made, churches to be planted, uh, missionaries to be sent. And, right? and you know, it's easy, you know, where I, where I probably struggle is we become so embroiled in all this politics. When a guy I like is in office, I'm like, man, we'll pray for him. Right. Well, even when there's somebody we disagree with, we need to be praying for those leaders. Right. We, Timothy says, Intercede for all yeah. things, not just the ones you like. So intercede or ask God to work in that person in spite of themselves. Right. Show honor to the king. Yeah. Right. And that's tough when you're so angry at the king. But you're right. We do need to pray. We do need to ins- and inspire Christians not to become uh, lackadaisical. You know, there is a tomorrow. There's an opportunity to reclaim land or, or territory that was lost. Not physical territory. Well, the day, the day is going to come. Yeah. Whether it's Tuesday or whether it's four years or eight years, we're going to have somebody that has a different ideology right. sometime. 
So Matt, when you wake up on the election morning or you have these conversations with your kids or you're teaching, how do you how are you going to teach them to live in a world where the government is opposing our agenda? I mean, that's what the church has always done across the world for the most part. It's been a few times in history, I think, any place where the government was largely pro-Christianity right. and on the same page as us with most things. And so we just continue to push those biblical principles and those biblical ideas. And listen, we've had, you know, the, the democratic leaning people for the last four years have just been awful, you know, obstructive to, to the whole agenda. They've been spiteful. We cannot turn around and behave that way right. if we lose this November. I mean, I'm not saying that we just capitulate to what's going on, but you also can't turn around and act exactly that, the same that's way. A good, I think that's a good point, you know, whether for people listening, you get on It's so easy for me to get on Facebook yes. on election night and say something hateful. And I've seen it from Christians yeah. who I agree with their right. position, but they come across snarky and hateful. Yeah. I think that's very dangerous, and I, I think that, um, and I, I do believe that uh, what we're, I, what I love about this podcast right now is there's been no name calling, uh, but there's been objective dialogue about the differences in narrative and ideology uh, in the political world. This is a kind of healthy discussion that Christians need to have, preachers need to have, uh, Bible college professors need to have, because this is healthy, and this this is really what brings people to an understanding of, okay, clarity in regards to not only who I should vote, because I'm not going to get out there and, and check people's ballot. I'd rather give them a concept, a template yeah. that you can take with you in any year, in any election, whether it be a state election, a general election, county election. I've got two guys running right now in our church. One's running for county commission, another's running for the city commission in St. Cloud. And um, I remember one of them met with me a couple of months ago, about a year ago, and said, you know, he met me for lunch, and he, he said, can you pray with me? And I said, sure. And he said, just help me to stay focused. And I said, listen, walk in every day and run knowing you're the light of the world is Jesus, and you carry your worldview around every meeting, and you won't fail. We just married in our church the city planner of Kissimmee. He was a member of our church in Elba for 23 years as the city manager of Kissimmee. And one thing after another, people said about Mark Durbin, this man was a Jesus man. Not related to Dick Durbin? Huh? Not, really. not related to Victor <laughs> at all. In fact, don't you know, listen. The ghost of Mark Durbin is going to come back and hunt you, Jason. For that. But he was a compassionate conservative whose biblical worldview was never in question. And and I thought that's why Christians make not only good political leaders, they make yeah. good head coaches, they make good wide receivers, they make good, they make good real estate agents. And, you know, and on top of that, we have a, we do have a bigger agenda. Yes. And that's people's souls, and and I don't ever want. I have strong opinions, mm -hmm. and there's a forum to talk about sure. some of these things. But I don't want my tone to cause somebody not to hear the more important thing. That's the gospel. No, and and I did say about not being nasty and and vitriolic out there, but at the same time, we do have to get out there. The church can't lay low and wait for the next four years to blow over. And I think we see two things. I think we see some people who don't want to wade into it because they don't want to get mauled, you know, for, for saying something totally different than, than what's popular. Or we've got people who are so angry that they're out there representing maybe true concepts, but in a bad way. Yeah, well, look, we don't have a lot of people out there representing the truth with love. Historically, churches have talked about politics, right? whether that's universally through the 17, 1800s in America, right. or whether it is like the historically black churches, which have been centers, Martin Luther King Jr. and Jesse Jackson, yeah. who have used the churches as a platform to talk about political agenda. So it's only when 
there's a, a, a right lane talk to people like, ah, you're going to lose your tax-exempt status or you crossed the line. You guys know this, that slavery was taken on first and foremost by the church. Yeah. Um, if you trace the war on slavery, you will find it was it started in religious organization. Yeah. When Martin Luther King was in jail, he was he, he wrote letters. He wrote letters to pastors, not to government officials. Mm -hmm. He wrote letters to pastors. And so nobody would say Martin Luther King Jr., as a pastor, should not have addressed political issues such as a civil rights. I mean, he is heralded as a hero in that right. movement, and even as a pastor. So why is it now that preachers all of a sudden get lockjaw when it comes to speaking on behalf of real racial harmony and how to reach racial harmony, not through hate groups and race baiting, but through legitimate, I still think there are biblical concepts that if embraced will bring racial harmony to America. I don't believe you can do it apart from Scripture. I don't. I think yeah. the Sermon on the Mount is the key to racial harmony in the United States of America. It will not come about race meeting or race hate groups. It just won't. I don't know if a lot of preachers who avoid those topics are doing it because they're afraid of the world's retaliation. I think we've got congregations that are split in their ideologies. We've got people who come every week to church, and they have this sort of leftist attitude yeah. about, about different things. And so that you know, some of these preachers are just afraid to— take off their congregations, which isn't the way you preach, but, but right. that's how some people do uh -huh. preach. Well, I, you know, I thought I, I started the first election cycle I was preaching was 2004. And if you remember, 2004 was Bush uh, Kerry mm -hmm. running. It was a heated election. Yes. But you look back now in hindsight and you think ideologically there was a gap, but the gap isn't what it is. Right. And I thought everything was at stake. Right. I thought our freedom and liberty was at stake. And, and I remember, you know, in, in dealing with this in the pulpit and in the local church, talking about how Christians should act. And I, I had people that were bothered. So I, I might have a different tone and approach now, but I certainly believe that there's been a polarization. Yes. That's happened in yes. 16 well, years. And it's interesting. The lines are clear. To me, because I've known Christians who they almost want to divorce their faith from their political choices like they could have the two separate from one another like they're almost being pragmatic when they vote about well what's better economically or for my tax break or whatever but like in this case no matter which side of that you're on there's one party that is opposing all of that you know right. the, the one side is opposing the ideology of the church but also stripping you of your actual freedoms and your prosperity and all these other things so in, in the past i've been accused of being a one issue voter mm -hmm. life abortion right. And, and and I I'm unabashedly you know I I will be I would be a one issue voter if I needed to be. Sure. Uh, I would never vote for a person a candidate that was a pro choice. But I, it's not just one issue anymore. No, let me let me say an issue hot ticket hot button issue in Florida is school choice. Now we have a conservative governor who ran on wanting to permit and allow minority minority students. To get out of failing schools and parents to choose the school, whether it be a charter school, private school, Christian school, public school. And so he said, look, the best way for parents to educate their children is to give them permission to homeschool or to find a school that best meets their needs. And I, you know, I have a Christian school. So I have a vested interest in people running for office because I don't want a candidate who runs who says, my goal is to shut Kissimmee Christian Academy down by, by, by excluding parents the right to choose the school that they want to go to. That's a, I have a vested interest in the election of a candidate who says, look, we want parents to choose the school that their kids go to. We don't want to force them into failing schools anymore. 
Now, all of a sudden now, this election has a part to play in the longevity of my Christian school yeah. that I poured a lot of money into and our people have to build and to make what it is. So I can't divorce myself from reality. This election, this because we have a candidate who's been running on, I want to promote more choices for parents. Mm -hmm. It's irony, ironic though, there's a particular party that, that has no problem preaching choice when it comes to killing a baby, but struggle when it comes to letting parents choose their school. If you can explain that, Please do. I have a hard time responding. I realistically I think that they're trying to force everybody into the public schools because they're teaching ideology there. Well, listen to the ideology, the philosophy of the National Education Association, and you will see why indoctrination is a huge talking point from the left. And to allow a parent now to choose a school that might not tie into their narrative, that offends them deeply. Why do people bridle at that? I mean, when you bring something like that up, that the schools are indoctrinating people, that is an easily observable thing. But people will act like you're a lunatic. Right. For well, the you, teachers union platform. I, I, I don't know many teachers that would read that and not want to vomit. Do you know the largest number of professionals that have their kids in Christian schools are teachers? Yeah, I believe teachers, that. That's factual. So, so not, and again, I always have to preface this. I'm not indicting every public school in America or every teacher. I am saying, though, philosophically, there is a narrative that leans very much to the left socially and in regards to politically. Um, Ineffectively. You know, and very effective. And what they're trying to do. So it wasn't long ago, and uh, I think last past week, John Piper came out with an article. I don't know if he's necessarily endorsing Joe Biden, but pretty much giving the perspective of why you shouldn't vote for Trump and pretty much cited something like this, that Biden, yes, he's pro-choice and that should be appalling to Christians, but Trump's self-love uh, is equally as bad. And he went on some other things uh, and, and that got a lot of press and attention, positive press and attention from some. So if you were sitting down with somebody that was a, a believer and they were just defending a vote for the Democratic Party nominee right now, what he's publicly said, how would you answer that? If they wanted an honest conversation. In regards to? Uh, justifying voting for the Democratic nominee in 2020. Okay, well, again, I think it goes back to looking at both candidates and recognizing they're both flawed, and we live in a fallen world, so nobody's ever running for president. It's not, it's not flawless. Yeah. All right, so let's make sure we understand that. My voting for Mr. Trump is not an endorsement of everything that he is, so let's make that clear. I look at both candidates and I ask this question, which candidate will best further my ability to continue to do what I do in my church, in my Christian school with, with less hostility? Which one will protect religious freedom the most? Which one, when it comes time to nominate a justice, will not nominate an activist judge, but a constitutionally principled judge? Which candidate will allow me to keep more of the money in which I earn? Which candidate will go out and make sure trade is fair and create better job opportunities? Because I want the people in my church to have jobs. Yeah. Because if they have jobs and they're givers, the kingdom grows. Okay, so it's, it, it makes sense, see. It's not just about anyone that protects the life of the church. Tri Trickle-down economics. It is. All right, so why is it that as a Christian those things should not concern me or that I should not be challenged to think that way? It is not an endorsement of everything that that candidate says or does. And that's why I do spend a lot of time on, on focusing on principles and concepts and issues, less on the candidate. Because if you focus on issues, then, you're, then you just follow, 
connect the dots, and you will vote for the right candidate because it's that candidate that upholds those concepts and those principles. Pike Piper's argument would assume that, by contrast, Biden would have no moral flaws. And that's, that's flawed. That's flawed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so his pro-choice position doesn't come without a, a deeper moral issue in the heart. Correct. Absolutely. And, and, and so the, the, we're not electing a, a preacher-in-chief. No. Or a Sunday school superintendent. I, I made that clear to others who have questioned well, On the other side, I, I have seen Christians that have baptized Trump in their mind. Yes. You, you know, and, yeah. and, and he can do no wrong, and, and, and they, they've got him in, in the church and, they and standing got, in Peter's place. They kind of classicized him to the point as to where he is he has almost become where, where their embracement of the president and his quest for the, a second term has almost eclipsed their passion for Jesus. Now, yeah. now that can become, that's a whole other podcast, but mm-hmm. yeah, we have to be careful there that we're balanced here. And like you said, Jason, no matter what happens the Wednesday after the election, we're going to wake up and we're going to have to, we're going to have to still work like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Yeah. Because that's how we should be working today. Hey, Matt, you came, you and I both kind of came from a different perspective uh, on this in 2016. Yeah. We had issues. The election in 2016 was Trump versus Clinton. Mm-hmm. We, we saw the same issues on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was greater level of fear uh, with a, a potential Clinton presidency. But me, me, I can only speak for me, and then I'll let you address where you came from. Yeah. I was leery of Trump, some because of the moral questions mm-hmm. uh, that mentioned. Uh, but more than that, I wasn't sure how he would govern. I was wrong about how he was govern- how he governed. Yeah. He has governed for the protecting Christian liberty. He has been more pro-life mm-hmm. than any president in history has been pro-life. Those issues matter to me, uh, and that's why my I, I just had to say I, I was wrong about the man as a not his character. No, I was wrong about how he governed. I'd love to hear what you kind of were thinking in sixteen. I mean, similarly, I thought the guy was just a blunderbuss. You know, like he was just going to make chaos for the sake of of tweaking people's noses. And Clinton is just. You know the devil. So you know you've got these two choices, and I just felt like I was being asked which hand I'd prefer to have slammed in the car door. And either one's a pretty bad choice. And so I, I voted independent. I voted independent probably the last couple of presidential elections because I've just always strongly been against the lesser of two evils thing, or or, or even just voting, you know, for somebody who's just good enough when there was somebody that better represented my values running, even if they weren't for a major platform. But I didn't realize until the day after the election when I woke up fully expecting it to be Hillary who won and saw that it was Trump. And I was so relieved um, that I realized I really did have a preference in that, even even though I didn't fully compute that. I, this I, guess, time, I guess one reason why I mentioned that is like this podcast isn't coming from the angle of Christian Republicans no. who have just always toted a, a party line regardless. This is, you know, at least for me, I, I've, I've separated uh, from, from that. I'm able to separate when they're uh, from a party if I need to. My loyalty is to principles, yes. and not and, to a party. I'll, I'll leave the Republican Party in, as a voter uh, tomorrow if I need to. Yeah. And, I, and I will say, I mean, yes, I have voted independent in the past before I would just check a box for somebody that was the lesser of two evils. I feel as a Christian that I have to vote for Trump this election. I feel like I have to because because he has done a good job of defending the things that we care about. And also because the other side is so dangerous. 
I mean, this is the first time I would ever almost advocate voting against something, even if you can't vote for Trump. You you almost have to, as a Christian, vote against this other this other candidate because what's coming if they take power is going to be is going to be a rough well, ride. The, the three of us come with some concern about job security. Sure. You know, we don't we don't know we don't know what we don't know really what type of hyperbole we could be using, what can happen right. in the future. But there is a possibility with hate crime. Being on the on the table, if they if they would come and legislate, hey, it's a hate crime to preach against homosexuality right, right. as a sin, right. and we do well, our our freedom is legit in danger, and it's coming. I mean, they're already trying to redefine what should free speech look like, and and making comparisons to Europe and how they handle it differently there, and which I would argue is a train wreck over there. Right. But and even though this is a, a biblical issue, a lot of Christians believe that they have a right to protect their families, and in protecting their families, it's with a, a weapon of choice, yeah. particularly a gun. All right, so let's ask ourselves this question. Do people still have the right to embrace the Second Amendment and know that it will be guaranteed to be protected? Well, yeah. there's one party that has come most seriously opposed to the Second Amendment. So so as a parent, you, you live in a dangerous community, and you believe that, and you have a license. I, I have a license to carry. Um, I live in a, in, a, in a community where there's a lot of crime, right? Mm-hmm. I pray I never have to use my gun. But I appreciate the fact that the founding fathers permit me to do it. I appreciate the fact that there is a man running for office that has promised to continue to support the Second Amendment. Yeah. There is a candidate running for office that does not value it or appreciate it. So, again, I'm not going to point to book, chapter, and verse and say, this is why the Second Amendment has to be supported biblically. But if you care about that, then this election means something to you. Yeah. So, so on the table, this election, pro, pro-life, pro-choice, clearly defined lines, sure. the Equality Act, sure. freedom in, in, in churches, uh, open borders yes. is on, on the table. Taxation, yes. uh, which, which one, one wants to tax, one does not. Um, and and regulation. I think, I think regulation is huge, guys. Regulation is one way to kill something uh, systematically without just closing it. You overregulate, and then you begin. And we saw that. And and the president, and and, and this is to his credit, said, "I'm going to begin to deregulate." We have too many constraints on American workers, and I have a church full of American workers. So do you. And, and, and the integrity of the court. And it, guys, listen. What we saw happen last night was reason enough yeah. to vote conservative. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Ginsburg was, um, and this is not an attack on her as an individual, she was a rabid liberal. She was. And she has been replaced by a constitutional conservative. Yeah. Let that sink in, voters, please. Well, they, Biden has openly said the voters do not deserve to know. What I'm going to do about court backing? Yeah, enlarging the court, which which would be a train wreck. And I'll, 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 oh, while wow, we're on it, let's, let's just the electoral college was put into place to make sure states like Montana and and, and Rhode Island and Wyoming were fairly represented. If the left has its way, the electoral college is gone. And by the way, we're not just a democracy; we're a republic first. Mm-hmm. We will no longer be a republic. And and it's the loudest, most meanest. Lens and all of a sudden the rights of it are superseded. The individual rights do not see the, supersede the public good, but in a pure democracy, that's happened. I don't know. Yeah. So as we as we get close to wrapping up, election prediction. If you listen to the media, 
they come out with the poll. The polls are not favoring Mr. Trump, President Trump. What do you believe, Jim, on election night? What do you believe we're going to see happen? All right, I'm going to base this answer on what happened four years ago. Four years ago, the same pundits said there's no way, and yet the fever pitch that he had in 2016 was huge. Um, right, wrong, or different, I think the fever pitch for uh, another four years is greater than it was for the first time he ran. Mm-hmm. Um, based on the numbers of people that are coming up, based on the number of minorities, uh, the, the increase in voter excitement in the minority community. You know, if I was in Las Vegas and I had to throw a bet down, I would bet that Mr. Mr. Trump would win again, just based on what happened in 2016 and how much more energy is revolved around his campaign. And what you're observing in a completely different state than where Arizona. Right. Correct. You're in a you're in a city where in rural. Right. And even though our county will go primarily Democrat because it, because it has it is not going to shift that way. It it has shifted significantly and largely, as you said, Jason, with with Latino voters. Who, and it's funny, Latino voters, like you mentioned earlier, came from Cuba primarily. They they saw how socialism has ravaged that island. Yeah. They they should be far more industrial and progressive than they are. And I just I just don't think they want to see that replicated in their country now in the United States, and I know I Matt, what about you? Man, I think I really do think all things being equal, fair election assumed. Yes, well, I, I think Trump edges out. him out. I mean, I think I think Trump does have an edge. I think there's a huge silent Trump votership out there that just are not willing to respond honestly to a poll because they don't want to get doxxed or their house burnt down or whatever, which is indicative of who's controlling, you know, the violent behavior that's going on in the country. Um, but if Biden takes it, I think it's going to be through some kind of, you know, mail fraud nonsense or whatever. I mean, it's. I think it's going to be a battle either way. I really do think it's going to be a contested result. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just go in with a different different prediction. I, I think Biden's going to win. I hope I'm wrong. You know, I, and I know the polls have been so faulty and allowing I, I struggle to see the pathway through the electoral college it's gonna be much more difficult for president trump meaning he has to win every toss-up state plus what they would consider a democrat leaning state right. wisconsin right. michigan or minnesota which is a tough tough ask right. now i don't know if you saw president trump tweeted that one of the number one google searches was can i change my vote <laughs> uh, and the answer is yes you can change your vote. So mail-in voting has been a thing. I think early voting will favor the Democrats. It's been through the roof, supposedly, honest or not. I don't know. Biden's oil comment hurt had to have hurt him in Texas, Pennsylvania, and whatever other states that are dependent on on natural gas. Right. 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 Again, I mean, you're in those states, economically speaking, that's gonna that's gonna take its toll on you. And 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 you have to think those of us should think. Through that, I have always found this fascinating. <laughs> People are still not, I mean, everybody should, I thought, have landed in a camp one or the other by now, but mm-hmm. maybe it's funny that there's still people out there, I'm not really sure. I'm not be sure by now. I mean, one way or the other, I think you at least be sure you've chosen one, but maybe yeah. Yeah. It's not like they're super similar, and and you know if they're so they don't different. agree on they don't agree on one issue. I mean yeah, they can't even say one. you know what yeah we agree like we can sit and debate a lot of different right. issues. We're gonna find some common ground. So they don't agree. There's not one thing they agree on. Yeah. One of them says the sky is blue. That, I mean it, it'd be one thing to say well, whose voice is more more annoying, Bullwinkles or, or Rockies. I mean we could 
Now, one day, all we goes is like Rockies, the next day, it depends on what size head they have. But these candidates are so diametrically different yeah. that I don't know how you can't possibly land on one or the other right now. Absolutely. So, if you're a conservative, if, if, if you're a Christian who values your freedom and liberty, and you're a constitutionalist, and you're a constitutionalist, if you like your money, you know, you have, if you if you have your job that's you know part of a society where there is oil or gas or something like that, and you work at a gas station in that community, those things go out of business, you're going out of business. And you realize that nowhere, to quote, I think, Dennis Prager, where socialism prevails, Christianity is looked unfavorably. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that. Yeah. Then, you, then you pretty much pretty much are, are, are not going to lean toward the left this election, that's for sure. I would think not. All right, well, uh, I think that's about all we can cover today. It's been a pretty good topic. We can always revisit some of this as the months unfold and we see how this turns out um we appreciate everybody listening uh you can check out the view from the mount podcast on our website at lakemountchurchofchrist.org you can also find us on spotify uh, amazon podcasts uh, google play itunes uh, a couple other places there so please click the subscribe button on whatever you're listening to and uh, leave a comment or two we don't care if you agree with us or not just kind of keep it civil and we're happy to have those discussions we need to have those discussions more often And uh, we thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.